welcome to Why Make, where we talk with makers from different disciplines about what inspires them to make. With your hosts, Rob Helmkamp and Eric Wolken. If you'd like to learn more about the makers we interview on Why Make, please go to our website, why-make.com. And please help support the Why Make podcast on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash why make podcast or the Patreon link on our website. On this episode of Why Make, we are talking with Western North Carolina born and raised furniture and cabinet maker Susan Link, now residing in Candler, North Carolina. As is often with many of our guests, Susan has a Haywood Community College link. She attended the program in fine woodworking at Haywood Community College. And Rob, I believe you know her. I don't know her. I do. I've, I've known Susan for quite a while, since about 2004 when I started going to school at Haywood. And I shared studio spaces with her, two different studio spaces, actually. And it's great to be able to talk with Susan about her contemporary twist on arts and crafts furniture that she makes. So we're going to sit down now and have a conversation with Susan Link. We're here on Why Make with Susan Link in her Kent, uh, North Carolina studio. Right. And I think in air, we pre-recorded the, uh, our intro and we said, Candler. So we will... <laughs> We're going to fix that, and we or, hope that you don't hold anything against us for Right. Us. Quite all right. I've been here, what, seven or eight years? And when I first moved here, I called it West West Asheville. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you're and pretty... now I call it Canton. Okay. Yeah. But Candler's close by, so. It's in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so. We're, um, we're, well, well, what we usually start off with is kind of like the nugget question of why make. And it's like, what first inspired you? To make what was maybe the the first thing that you that you made going back to childhood if you yes. so choose oh god you know i i the first thing i can remember ever making and this is this is another lifetime ago was a wooden cross honest to god and that is a lifetime ago yeah um you know because i was born and raised in religious family and so i made what was what was yeah there so well, so how old were you when you did that it's fairly young. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. It was under ten, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, before that, you know, drawing way early. Drawing on loose leaf paper and coloring books. Snoopy. Or... Snoopy. Oh, I was a Snoopy draw. I drew Snoopy all over the place. And his <laughs> on the dog walls. And... <laughs> and... <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I remember building the, or making that, and uh, but more than anything, I remember. Um, I remember my dad making, you know, he had a, a small wood shop, very small, and okay. he had a table saw, and, and I remember him making uh, some built-ins for the house, um, and yeah, so, just so, helping him with that. So where was this? Where did you grow up? Brevard, North in Carolina. Brevard. Okay. And you, I've heard you mention the farm, and it, was that in Brevard, or no, was that, that was a place? Knoxville. Was Knoxville? My parents okay. both grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and my childhood was spent going back and forth um, from Brevard to Knoxville because oh, wow. my both sets of grandparents, my great grandparents, were in Knoxville, and uh, Mom didn't live on the farm, but my dad grew up on the farm. Okay, and uh, it wasn't a farm when I was visiting. Um, mm-hmm. He, when he, uh, I would say graduated, but when he retired from Dupont, he. Uh, went back to Knoxville and kind of uh, recuperated the farm. 
oh, cool. So yeah. he, he got it back to working. Yeah, and, yeah. And a semblance of working that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. wow, that's They cool. just finished this, this year. They decided that's enough. We're not doing cattle. We're not doing hay. So he leases the land and, um, yeah. That's cool. Kind of sad for me because that's been one of the joys that I have is going over there and working on the tractors and oh, wow. helping with stuff. So now so. it's kind of not going to happen anymore. Nope. But they still have the land. They still have the land have and the I, I have decisions to make because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to go into that your, here. It's going to be your land. My brother and I, and, and they're like, don't you oh, want to live over here? And I'm like, this is that's not where my roots are. That's where your roots are, yeah. but my roots are here, and this is where my community is. And yeah. um, I don't want to leave that. Does so. your brother want it? Is your brother going to live there? No, I don't think so. My brother has terrible allergies. He oh, can't yeah. even. Yeah, farm won't be good for he him. He can't <laughs> help. I, this has been something I've been able to do. I think he tried to get on the tractor once, and he lasted about 20 minutes before he just about <gasps> had to. Yeah, he yeah. got really. He has terrible allergies. Hay so. fever, that contact hay fever kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, he's a pilot, and when he tried to get into the military, they denied him based on his allergies. Oh, wow. So they're, they're bad enough. So anyway. So the farm and Brevard and back and forth were were part of your life and mm -hmm. so you went to like high school in Brevard as well yeah I went to high school in Brevard I went off to college um briefly in Al Alabama in, yeah Auburn, Auburn or something Auburn or? Alabama okay I didn't even make it a year I was pretty um not in a good place not mm -hmm. ready to leave and not Understand. doing what I've I wanted there. to do. <laughs> I, I remember, my parents do not remember this, but I remember the first time I came back to visit, I, I just was crying. I was like, I just want to be a woodworker. I don't want to go to college. And they were like, no, you need your education. And So you just want to be a woodworker. When you're in high school and starting into college, were you doing woodworking? No, I, but I knew I wanted to. So it was, just, it was just something in the air or is something you would, did you take I mean, a, was there, I mean, what, well, I, did you take a class or something? No, or? I never took a class. I was around my dad, my grandfather, yeah. his dad was kind of a Renaissance man. He did everything. Some oh, cool. of my fondest memories were of his shop and it was a machinist shop. Um, mm -hmm. He worked on the railroad down in Alabama. Um, they lived in tennessee part um part of my childhood but they also live in florence alabama and he worked on the okay. railroad and um and he was just he was his own creator you know so he knew how to do a little bit of everything he knew how to do a little bit of everything that's great. very inspiring we had a, a um go-kart that uh, the name was go damn it and uh <laughs> my brother and i would ride it and my my other cousins um my dad's niece and nephew and uh, yeah, so he just did, he made, you know, he did everything. And uh, so I think that's, you know, that's part of, I think, what got me wanting to just, you know. Being surrounded by it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So college made you realize that I really want to do this. College <laughs> made me crazy. Made you crazy. Yeah, so I, I came home with my tail between my legs and kind of screwed up. And took yeah. some time to get my head back on, right? And and I did finish college. I, I did about a year at Brevard College and then uh, finished up at UNCA. Cool. Um, and that's UNCA in Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville, North Carolina, in sociology. Yeah, that's cool. that was my undergrad. Um, Never took an art class. No, it's insane. And it makes me so mad. Like, I, you know, when people say, what's your one regret in your life? 
Um, I was really good at art as in kindergarten. I was the one that got all the awards, you know, all the drawings. And, and I don't know why my parents didn't foster that because um, I came from an artistic family. My grandmother was an artist. She did not start painting until she was 65, but she was selling. You yeah. know, she was very good. They were um, classically trained musicians, and I was a musician, played the French horn, and art, cool. and, you know, just the creative life or the creative arts in general are what I um, excelled at. Yeah. So why would you not, you know... Maybe it's looked at as more of like a hobby instead of like, here's yeah. what you could do for, for yeah. real life. Well, know? and it was that era where my mom and dad both went to college, but they... My dad, that may have been the first, he may have been the first in his family. Mm -hmm. And I don't think my mom was the first in her family. But, you know, I grew up, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a time where college was just the accepted path. And yeah, uh, it, it was, you know, my, all my uncles went and a lot of my, most of my cousins. So yeah. it was kind of like my dad yeah. kind of yeah, looked I mean, at it I, for me to go to. I grew yeah. up in an academic family my dad was a college professor so oh, really and i was the black sheep in my family because my brothers and sisters were all brilliant and i was a terrible student yeah so <laughs> uh, i mean uh what did he teach my dad was a biology professor okay but i mean we were talking talking yesterday uh I mean, what really inspired me as a kid is my dad had an incredible lab, and he had this laboratory technician ah. that made all of the instruments for the lab. That's Ollie, really my dad is cool. Ollie, right? And there was so it was an incredible machine shop in my dad's lab, Neat. and that's where I loved to be as a kid. And my that's dad's really machine cool. shop, so very similar in terms of. I guess right. you said your uncle, who was the my grandfather. Grandfather, yeah, your grandfather. Mm -hmm. So I mean. Yeah, that was all there. I was a horrible student. I mean, yeah. I was not academically inclined at all. <laughs> That's why I ended up at WVU. Cause yeah. it was, it was like, Me too, because I didn't have to have a very high SAT score to get yeah. to WVU. You didn't even have to have an SAT score to get into WVU. No. It was, it was, uh, you just had to be breathing. You just, yeah, you had to. You <laughs> and had to have be, money, yeah, a little money. for A little money, right, because it was, what, $300 a semester? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and mine was in-state. So you were paying 150 a semester. Well. Uh, 15 years after you, so it was a little bit more. Y'all yeah. went to the same place? <laughs> yeah, we, we went, went to Haywood. We went to WVU. No way. All, all 15 years after. Whoa. You know, we both grew up in Pittsburgh. Spent, no we lived in the, almost like a mile by as a crow flies in Pittsburgh. No way. You know, but again, 15 years. 15 years apart. Apart. Wow. So it was really weird. And That's we, very we cool. We met each other at Piedmont Craftsman in mm -hmm. 2012, and we were like, brother from another mother this is amazing yeah i was i read i, I don't know why but uh, i read rob's uh, bio in the piedmont crafts in the in the craft show uh i guess whatever the catalog or in whatever, the catalog yeah. or whatever and, and it was like it was this is it was kind of interesting because i was i hadn't done a craft show in for forever and i thought okay i'm gonna try this again and uh i mean i bombed i mean bombed okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I met Rob, which was, was wonderful. Well, then you didn't bomb. I met me. Yeah. Bomb, you sailed away. That's cool. I met Rob, and I met Rob's mom, who's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> My mom, Marty Bierenbaum, from Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. She's, yep, big inspiration. It's crazy. So you graduate with a degree in sociology. Mm-hmm from UNCA and uh, what, uh, what are you feeling? You kind of like, there's that exasperated, oh man, what am I gonna do? You know, it's such a weird thing. I, I, I was a terrible student in high school. I, I tried hard and I never, I just never could make good grades. They were all just average. And when I 
came back from Auburn, I got I, I had to go into treatment, eating disorder, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and kind of got my head screwed back on. And um, and something just clicked for me. And when I started at UNCA, like I was um, straight A student for the first time in my life. That's awesome. And part of it was, you know, confidence has always been an issue for me, and it continues to be an issue for me. And yeah, that's wear it uh, on my sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I think I know we can edit. So I have to think for a second. Yeah, Is that think. correct? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You, and can I cuss? I you know you I have can, a filthy mouth. Oh yeah. Mouth. You can cuss oh all please. You want. Okay. Yes. This is this is this is podcast. Okay. Good. The good, FCC good. has absolutely nothing to say about this. So fucking yeah. say whatever you fucking want. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to think about this. What was the question? What were we talking about? What did, I don't know. What so you, social. You were talking about oh, starting yeah, to be yeah. able, you know, really confident. Yes. Confidence. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I started to you know get confidence. I started to actually make good grades, and I graduated, you know, cum, what is it, cum sum laude or whatever. Magna cum laude. Mag- or something. Cum laude, yeah, and like four That was huge and, for me. Yeah, that's and, great. Um, and I discovered that I really liked writing. Um, I loved research and writing, mm-hmm. got a lot of um, accolades for it, and I, I was like, I'm going to take a year off, and I'm going to go, um, and, and uh, I was planning on going up to Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, and mm-hmm. and going into sociology and teaching and researching and and then life just happened. I I had a lot of fun. I was mountain biking, road riding. Um, my partner at the time, uh, we we rode a lot, and I just started having fun. Mm-hmm. And I I fell into a job um, at Parkridge Hospital when they had an eating disorder program, and and. Um, because I had been there and had a lot of recovery under my belt, I ended up working there for a number of years and kind of oh, wow. lost track of what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I had also forgotten what I really wanted to do. Um, and so when I was at Parkridge, I started taking um, continuing education classes in art. I started taking art classes, drawing classes. Um, That's great. And then I got into, I got, I started taking cabinet making classes at AB Tech. Okay. And that's where the woodworking stuff started to come back to me. And um, and I remember I took the, uh, what is it, cabinet making one, cabinet making two. And then I started auditing, mm-hmm. taking plans in. You know, you'd, you'd get yeah. whatever magazine and I'd go in and start making stuff make from this. that. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do this for a living. Where do I go? And they were like, we don't know. And... <laughs> And really? Yes. We don't know when Haywood's just up the road? Exactly. That's that's so bizarre. It was very bizarre. So I got a job. Um, one of the guys that was there, an older gentleman, um, told me about a woman in Fairview. And he said, you need to call her. Um, I started working for her and got a little bit of experience. Marilyn McEwen. Oh, uh, yeah. her Marilyn. name. Yeah, and <laughs> you started, you worked for Maryland. Yeah. That's great. And <laughs> I can't remember who told me about Haywood Community College, but um, it was, I was about 32 years old and found out about Haywood. And um, I was working at Park Ridge still, miserable, absolutely miserable. Yeah. I hated my job. Um, I, I liked parts of it, but, um, but I was just miserable. Yeah. And one of my coworkers was like, Susan, I saw you yesterday. I was leaving work and I was going in for my second uh, shift work. And she said, and I just wondered how long you're going to stay here and be miserable. And it was like somebody slapped me in the yeah. face like, and it was reality. 
Like, wow. like it was like, golly, I'm, what am I doing with my life? I'm miserable and I'm making everybody else around me miserable. And so I went home that night and applied to Haywood Community <laughs> College. Oh, wow. And uh, that was, um, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of it. It was like it. 2002. It, yeah, I got in it to, in 2002. Now I was, again, I was taking classes, drawing, life drawing classes, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And a friend of mine, Greta, who um, worked at Park Ridge also, she and I actually rented a studio on the river, River Arts District. I think it was the one right below where White Duck Taco used to be. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we move in, and I had already interviewed with Wayne and was told three-year waiting list. And in the meantime, I was I was painting, and um, my partner was always pissed at me because oil paint would end up everywhere in the house. So <laughs> so I needed to get out of the house. So we, we got this studio and signed a lease. And a week later, Wayne Rapp calls and says, hey, <laughs> can you come? And I'm like, yes. And so we there. canceled the lease. And and, uh, and it would be interesting. I, I think about that sometimes, like what would have happened had I been doing that for a year? Um, you were locked into a lease. Locked and... into a lease and, and really following that passion. Um, cause when I first was at Haywood, you know, I don't know if you remember, but there were other things that could, would count for class time. Yeah. And so yeah. I had already, um, paid for workshops, artists workshops. So, um, there were a couple of weeks that I took off to go take workshops mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Um, I did blacksmithing and other yeah, extra classes yeah, like that to yeah. be able to. So. Anyway. Oh, I didn't even know about that when I was yeah, there. Yeah, I, I took I just, two blacksmithing classes. They were great. I just, yeah, I, just, I did too with David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah David Burnett. I just, uh, David Burnett. Oh, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. No, I just, horse and cart and everything. Mm-hmm. I just lived my whole life in the, right there at my bench. Yeah. Wow. So you're starting Haywood. So you get the call. Yeah, I got the call. And fortunately, that was back when you could do this, I, I'd, I'd worked at Park Ridge for many years. And so I was able to work two days a week and have benefits, mm-hmm. which is unheard of. Now. Yeah. No, and not now. Not now. <laughs> um, so I worked, I don't know, I worked two days a week and then, you know, weekend shifts and, um, I lived at Haywood, mm-hmm. you know, we stayed, we opened the building, we closed the building yep. and, uh, it was, it was a, transformative place and time in my life and was the sawmill still open yes okay yeah i don't Rob know da- was it no no okay so it was, just, okay. It was yeah. we were able to go like you know reap the harvest of yes. what was sitting up there that's but right they know they didn't mill anything no they hadn't milled was the sawmill there that's, i remember yes. get, i remember right. getting a lot of lumber from there yeah <laughs> okay so you yeah. still got lumber because when, yeah. when i was we there we go pick through the piles yeah well when i was that there were picked and picked and picked through <laughs> Yeah, that when I was there, they were still milling and still drying, oh, so we cool. could we could go up and pretty much pick whatever we wanted. Yeah. So it was a pretty amazing thing just to yeah. walk out the door and and select your materials. Yeah. So you started in with with Fady was in your class. No, Fady no. was oh. with Mariah. Okay. Oh, explain who Fady is. So Fady Atkinson is a a, a woodworker from Clyde, North Carolina. Yep. who went through the the Haywood program. A year after me. A year after you. Didn't Mariah she, Smith Overman. We're gonna. Didn't, didn't she win an initial award? A, she did win it. I, she I did win award. Right. Because no, Fady. Fady's a, a sir. Oh. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> he, he, oh, Fady. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Fady. Oh, it was yeah. non-gender specific, so I yes, couldn't yes. tell. Yeah, yeah. Fady has won an initial award, as have I. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you have? I, you, I don't know if I did or not. I did <laughs> IWF. And I... Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were all in... Yeah, yeah. Through, through Haywood. That was one great thing that Wayne did is... Yes. He encouraged us to, to be part of Niche Awards and to be yeah. part of the IWF International Woodworking Fair that was in Atlanta was the yes. closest one. Yeah. So you started with, you know, obviously other other makers yeah. in the class and, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, spent the two-year time at Haywood. And yeah. So tell us, like, Haywood just, I mean, for both of us, it was very transformative. How did it, how did it get you? Uh, it changed everything in my life. I mean, it, it was, you know, I... I came from a really traditional family, and not to speak badly of anybody in my family, but it's it's pretty American, you know, traditional American consumer family. They don't think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? They well, yeah, just, my um, Texas family's like that. My yeah. mom was a black sheep. Yeah. So I, was, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. I mean, my dad was an engineer. My mom was a musician. And, you know, you just followed the path like a good sheep. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Haywood, I was like, wait a second, there's a whole nother life that I don't have to be one of the sheep. I can do my own thing Yeah. and um, go a different way, which matches who I am. I'm not a, I never feel normal, you yeah. know. <laughs> you're, you're your own boss and follow your own path. Yeah, yeah. So it just changed everything. Yeah, I, that's I, great. I can't, you know, it's hard to encapsulate in words what happened for me there but it was transformative um i still have the community from there like you know i'm still i'm very close to wayne rab Mm -hmm. i've in part moved here because of two waynes yeah well rowan and (laughs) wayne fowler and wayne oh yeah i'm sorry uh, fowler yeah yeah. yeah i've got waynes on the mind yeah so wayne fowler's not far from here either no. And um, Wayne Fowler is another Haywood grad. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> An amazing, amazing woodworker. Uh, yeah. Which, there's a lot of stress for me that comes with the self-employment. I know you guys know oh, yeah. this. Yeah. Um, every day. <laughs> every day, yeah. I mean, I just, two days ago, I was having a meltdown over finances. And <laughs> the thing that has been a gift, um, like, you know, I I have the ability to, to take time to be with Wayne. Yeah. And, and another friend that just passed away, I, I was able to be, you know, present. Mm -hmm. And if you have a nine to five and, and you're, you know, enslaved in somebody else's work, then you you don't have freedom. And so there's, there's a huge trade off, but freedom, you can't buy that, man. No, no, no. I I think that's the reason why we all do this. Yeah. Yeah. So to be our own bosses. So to back up to Haywood a little bit, it sounds like, I mean, Three words that I take out of Haywood is, you know, we've got the courage to do it, the skills to do it, yeah. and the community yes. to do it. Yes. Know? And, you know, and, you know, the question, why do you make, I think that for me, one of the things that making does for me is it, it helps me figure out who this person is, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of it is challenging. It's hard. I remember, you know, I'm a control freak. I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> and I'm just now getting in t- touch with the fact that I'm a control freak. I, I didn't realize it until just recently. 
Um, but <laughs> making mistakes, I hate it. And one of the oh, I was always valuable... I'm always afraid of mistakes. Oh, me too. I'm learning how to let go of that. Exactly. And and that was probably the number one gift from that program is I would make my own mistakes, but I would also watch other people make these mistakes and. And they were design opportunities. I was that's, like, Whoa. Yeah, I was about to say that's yeah. that was Wayne's yes. little, little gift to us. Yes, and... yeah. Yeah, actually, I, one of my shopmates at that big co-op shop I was in used to call it "Design by Fuck Up." Yeah, that that's yeah, <laughs> Design but, by Fuck Up. So, so sort of backtracking to that a little bit, what kinds of in the in the furniture world and in the art world, what what turned you on? What kinds of what design ideas? Because all of a sudden you're swamped with ideas. Yeah, from well, I mean, I, and you had Bob, right? Bob Gibson was your oh design my God, teacher. Yes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yes. That so what what turned mind. you on in the design world? Well, okay. So when we first got there, you know, Wayne was like, you had your your black book, you know, your design oh, yeah. book, and the first <laughs> you remember the first. Um, uh, what was it? The first um, assignment was to go out and find five five images. Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't know what what was out there. I went. I got an Ethan Allen magazine, and I was cutting out Ethan Allen stuff and and some other things. And and I've got those images still in my yeah, book. Yeah. And Blaine Johnston brought in one of those design books. I can't one remember. One of the furniture, one of yes. the fine woodworking design books? Yeah, yeah there's like design one, two, three, whatever, up to whatever they're at yeah. now. I think oh, they, they made it actually stopped doing it a long oh, time ago. So yeah. they're at like stopped at seven. I think it was, it, well, it was between one and seven. Um, but I remember just being like, holy shit. This is this is what's possible. I had no idea. I hadn't I hadn't experienced any of yeah. it. I'd never seen any of it, and that was what was starting to just completely rock my world. I was just like, oh my god, there's so much more that's possible. And it, what was funny was when I interviewed with Wayne, he was like, well, we're going to teach you how to um, design. I was like, I don't design. I just I just go off of plans. And he said, well, we'll teach you that. And I said, and I don't do angles. I don't know how to do curves and angles. And he's like, that's okay. We'll work with you. <laughs> and uh, so then everything that I saw that was exciting was curved and angled, you know. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, that's really amazing. That's cool. In, the, in those first five pictures, I've got a picture of yes, one of Eric's boxes. really bizarre. It's oh, totally bizarre. So cool. From 2004, yeah, when I started that yeah. summer. Oh, my or God. that in August. And... You know, I picked five things, and one of them was a box by Eric Wolken. And oh my God! I meet him eight years later. You know, it's like I, I was like, Eric, look, this is that's weird. Really You're cool. in my sketchbook. Wow, yeah, that's really so. Cool. But that's so. I mean, yeah, that was the first assignment, right yeah. in the first week to go figure out, start yeah. to be like, wow, what's in my head? I want to. And um, to think, I mean, to realize that, and I think that was the thing that goes back to what we were just saying, like you start to realize that you don't have to follow a path. You get to make yours. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be what everybody else is doing. It's yours. It's yours. Yeah. And <laughs> but, it can be different. You know? But you have to find it. That's, yes. that's the thing that that's, sucks. I mean, it's like there's... What rock is it hiding under? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it's like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the amazing thing for me when I went to Haywood was that... All the other students had really different ideas about what furniture was. Right. And, you know, some of them were just some really wild shit that I didn't understand. And they were trying all these different techniques. And Wayne was like, go for it. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in that sense, it was 
I don't think I really knew what I I wasn't a I wasn't afraid of design, but I didn't know what the possibilities were in terms oh, of furniture because because I thought I knew what furniture was when I went there. I thought furniture was all shaker stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, right, exactly. Square, you know, square uh -huh. legs, square aprons. Everything was everything was square, and then all of a sudden, it's like people doing shit that's not square. Like, yes. What? It looks that? like it's moving. It looks like it's getting ready to walk across the room. And that was at, that whole notion turned totally turned me on. I yeah. think I rove at that notion. It was like, holy shit, furniture, which is looks like it's just dead sitting there, can look like it's moving. It look like, like it's yeah. dancing. And that yeah. whole like, that whole crazy. idea captivated for me for like the first twenty years of my career. Yeah. Building furniture was like, I want this stuff to look like it's moving. That's cool. So you're you're doing this research trying to get your legs under you. Like who who did you? Whose work did you see that just lit a fire? Um, I think the two most profound ones. Sam Maloof, of course. I I remember um, a book that I read about him when I was at school. I just completely immersed myself. Mm -hmm. um, well, that so, library was wonderful. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yes, it was. So so he was one, and then um, a turning point for me was when. I went to Philadelphia for the 2004 um, Furniture Society conference with Wayne and Wayne. Oh, wow. Those were, that was the only three, and it was so funny. <laughs> so we, we go to Philadelphia, and I'm there with my teacher, Wayne, and my friend, Wayne, and we had one hotel room, and my dad was like, what? don't you think this is a bad idea? And I'm like, why? I mean, we had the best time, and we went... Um, to Wharton Eshrigs. Oh, wow. Um, and what had happened, there were two things that happened. I, I was, I went to one of the um, classes, which it was a golden, you know, paint. It was about surface decoration. And, and I was there. Oh, my God. I was in that workshop yes. at that conference. <laughs> I uh, took home every free sample I could uh -huh. because I was like, ooh, I'll take yes. 10 of those. I will take I have a bunch of, of golden stuff oh, up there. Eric. And, you know, okay, so I was, so I don't know if you remember the slideshow, but they were talking about different, you know, lots of art, lots of art. And there, this picture of a Cubist painting came up. And I was like, whoa, now that would be a cool piece of furniture and so I did a sketch of it and that went into my sketchbook and um and then I went to Wharton Eshrick's um as I didn't you know, do that field trip oh my god I, I did do I the still want to go there I haven't gone yeah as, oh. yeah I I did I, I didn't wow. want to because part of part of one of the things I deal with is I'm terrified of travel when mm -hmm. if I'm not in control if I'm not driving, I'm certain we're going to die. So I wasn't going to go. Oh. I was just going to stay, you know, close by. And like, I'm okay right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I did, and, and uh, which is always a nightmare for me. But um, anyway, we got to Wharton Eshricks, and that was where just all this stuff started falling into place. It all started making sense to you. Yeah, it started making sense. And I remember, and huh. I probably could tear up now. I'm going to try not to. I remember crying in <laughs> in that studio stroll um, because it was just so, like, he, everything in that house, he made, he carved. Oh, yeah. The um, stairs, the bed. Everything. Every fucking thing. The toilet seat. Everything. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know about the yes, toilet seat. the toilet seat. seat. Everything. He, he did everything. And... Um, and I came back from that on fire and Wayne Rabb looked at my sketchbook and, you know, senior 
or senior, your, your final project, I was going to do some chest of drawers with some doors that I had carved in my first year. And he looked at my um, sketchbook and he was like, now that is a something to do. He said, you need to do that for your um, final project. I was like, really? I don't think I can do what that. What did he point to? Morning Jazz. It wasn't, oh, you yeah. know, the piece uh, that yeah. got Oh, I know the Morning piece Jazz. The got inspired yeah. by the... The golden, you're yes. right. The the uh, yes, yeah. And I was actually having to prepare for a slideshow um, at um, HCC the other day, and and I've been obsessed with that painting. And I finally found it online. I, it was a cubist painting, and I researched and researched and researched. I went through every fucking cubist painting that there has been in the history. You couldn't find it. And you no, see, I found you, it. you did. Oh, so you finally you know who the maker is then? I I wrote it down, and it's out of my brain. I do have. I can okay. give that to you later. That's but cool. anyway, so it was just shapes. It was these, these forms that um, just were very interesting to me. And, and so the idea that I had originally changed, you know, I, I changed a few elements. Mm -hmm. And that's what became the um, piece that was called Morning Jazz. Yeah. And, um, and it started, that's where, that's what totally, you know, Haywood changed me. But that ex that particular place um, at uh, Wharton Escherich's is what yeah. probably cemented it. Well, your line changes on that shelf, the way that. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, I'll show it to you. That's just that's um, the, yeah, that's an amazing piece. I'm, I think I've seen that somewhere. I'm sure it was yeah. in some magazine. It's some. been in a couple of things. It's yeah, and thank God it didn't sell because it's um. um yeah, I'm I'm glad I have it. But there's no straight line. The whole thing is twisted. Everything's twisted. Yeah. Everything's at an angle. It was it really stretched me and to be the student that said I don't design and I don't do curves and weird angles. <laughs> that, <laughs> it, was, and, it was it basically encapsulated your 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 full journey at, yes, at Haywood. Yeah, facing know? my fears, facing the possibility of failure. Yeah. You know. And moving through it, and, yeah. right? And that you, it seems to me that that's you know facing your fears and and dealing with failure is something you meet at every every piece. Yeah, every piece yes. has that potential. That as I like to say, it's either going to be good or it's going to be firewood. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And sometimes it is firewood. Yep. Yeah. Now, so. I mean, yeah, I have a wood stove. It's my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's that's another you know reason that I like making is every single project where you're designing and you're you're doing something different it's like when you first you first draw and you're like oh my god how am I going to do this and then the problem solving begins I love that I love that part now mm -hmm. I used to hate it and now I've it's become that's part yeah. of the process yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it I is. like it a lot too so and i used to get stuck a lot did y'all like when you first started out i would oh, get stuck yeah. on something well it's because your vocabulary wasn't as big yeah you know and now yeah. now we know or we're further along in the abc's of woodworking yes. that we know so we can yeah. answer more questions I still and solve get, more problems i still get stuck all the time oh, i don't man, get me too. i don't get stuck on the technical stuff i get right. stuck on the aesthetic things where right. i realize something isn't working so what's the resolution does this need to do something different and that's when I start pacing. I just start walking circles around and around. Yeah. And, you know. and sometimes, it's a, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've come to the point at this stage in my life it's where it's okay to walk away. Yeah. And if the resolution... Just take a break. Gonna, yeah. yeah. I mean, not only take a break for the day, but take a break for, you know, 
for that piece that, yeah. you know, that piece isn't going to be resolved. It's not going to be finished because I don't know the solution. Right. Exactly. And that's, you know, I, I've, I do walk away sometimes in the beginning, I would walk away from the technical stuff. I was terrified of hardware and I pushed through that. But, um, one of the things and working with Mark Galvin, um, who went, he was at Haywood a year before me. So I overlapped a year. He just moved forward, moved forward. And sometimes you make really bad mistakes, um, but you just have to have this forward momentum. And I would get stuck. I would walk away for a long time. You blow out a piece, you, you replace know? it and start over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes I, I'll be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Should The proportions are a little off. Now, I'm just, you know, usually with design stuff, I'm like, well, the next one can be better. Mm-hmm. You'll learn from this one. Don't get, I, I try not to get stuck like I used to. I still do, but I don't get yeah. stuck and walk away for, you know, a year, which I can do. I've been known to do. <laughs> <laughs> but your but your tables, I remember when you first were making tables out of Haywood or even right. in Haywood, seeing those compared to your evolution, you know, even three or four years after that, yeah. you know, it's, they, they, it's like that's a piece by Susan, but it's different. It's, yeah. you know, it's got, it's tapered a little bit more, or curved a little bit more here. Evolving. It's like, yeah, it's an evolving. Yeah. And that's a process that never, never seems to stop in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm not sure where the evolution is going right now. I'm, um, I, I want to, I want something to change. Like, yeah. I, you know, I like some of the, I like designs that I've done and I'll still do some of the well, old I, tried and true. I hear you. I'm but, doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm making yeah. tables that I made, you know, 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's like, Hmm. Let's do this a different way, yeah. and, it, and I, even if I try, it's still only subtly different. Yeah, and not a, n- enough for me to be like, oh yeah, that's definitely different. It's yeah, not, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not to the outward eye. So you're you're finishing up Haywood. Morning jazz is just, you know, it's got you got you going, uh-huh. um, and you're about to jump out into the real world, and da da, you're at the cliff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I. You know, it's funny because when I was at Haywood, I was like, okay, during the summer program, I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to devote myself to woodworking and that's going to be moving forward. I'm just going to be a woodworker. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, you, you didn't listen to Wayne either, did you? No, I, no, I did. That's what... You, you're that not going to make a living at this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was my original plan was yeah. I'm going to go through Haywood after the first yeah, year. I'm right. going to quit my job and this yeah, is all I'm going to do. And then you get into Haywood and... You find out some of the realities, and it's like, oh. yeah, and uh, basically what we learned was you kind of have to be married. <laughs> you <laughs> gotta partner. You, you gotta have a sugar mom or a sugar yes. dad or sugar yeah, partner yeah, yeah. or whatever, and it's like <laughs> yeah. And I had a partner at the time, but she did not want me um, quitting my job. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was you know not not um, a possible thing. So I kept a job and, and the reality hit me, you know, this has to be a transition. Yeah. And it's been, it's been 15 years. And just this year, um, I can say that I'm self-employed now, you know, I have been, (laughs) you know, at times, but all, and I still do, I'll still go and work for Mark. Um, if he, if he needs the extra hand, but Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do this, you know, the self-employment way now and yeah so that's uh that reality hit and so it yeah. wasn't a, a cliff as much as 
stepping stones. Yeah, yeah. Right, you but know? you were working in the profession. Though. I you always didn't go, have. You didn't go yeah. back and work as a social worker no. as a parkside. So, no. I mean, in a sense that you... You made that change yeah. in that you were going to be a professional woodworker, yeah. and you were. Yeah. You worked for somebody else, yep. but yep. and and I imagine you can you continue to make your own work on the side. Yes, and you know, for a long time, I, you know, I did work um, with in with the eating disorders for a while and stuff like that. But um, then I don't know when. I guess about seven years ago. Well, I moved here to be closer to that cabinet shop, so I was working in a cabinet shop full time and working here in my shop evenings and weekends. And, um, and so, yeah, for the last seven or eight years, it has been nothing but woodworking. So, um, so before that you were in different shops, I've actually been in a couple of shops with you. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. Jonathan Wainscott. Oh yeah. uh, Cooperative shop. The the short Cox shop at Tim Barnwell's building. Yes. So that's where we got to know each other yeah, a yeah. lot better and yeah. got to see each other make cool shit and then uh-huh. get pissed off at it and laugh and cry and oh, God, scream and yell and, and cheer. And <laughs> yeah. God, you're bringing back a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. I re- yeah. There, there's, and even just, I mean, I remember a lot of crazy stuff that happened at that shop, but then. You know, just, just all sorts of, yeah, right. <laughs> we don't need to go beyond all the that, laughing that was, and crying. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just remember one time you were standing at the disc sander sand and stuff. Oh, God. And then all of a sudden, your shirt disappears. No, no. you. I told you about that. I was yeah. by myself. Oh, you were, oh yeah. That's right. Okay. You're, and your shirt got stuck in the disc sander? We had a... a okay. So I learned a few things about shop safety. Um, this particular... It's, it was one of these guys, disc belt. I hate those things. It didn't have a working switch. So you would plug it in around the corner mm-hmm. and it was... It was a cluttered oh, and shop, start up and, and it—that's how you started it. You plugged it in, and I was by myself one day, and I was sanding um, handles, and and there was a a long spindle on it that we would stick a pneumatic sanding um, drum drum. Thank you, on and <laughs> oh uh, right, yeah, it, and it stuck out the side, and yeah. it was the metal part was the shaft was on there, but there was no drum on it, and I'm just sitting there sanding, and all of a sudden within a split second I'm like my it went it it just a tiny little thread wrapped around it and in a split second it ripped my clothes off on one side of my body wrapped my arm around the spindle and then I was pulled down to to it you know my face was right against Uh, the yeah and I'm dragging the machine trying to get to the plug to unplug it and I couldn't because there was so much shit in the way. Oh, no. And I finally um, had to just do this, and it just ripped all my clothes off. <laughs> so I had to go across the street to a friend. She was the eye doctor across the street. Oh, no. Oh, she yeah, gave me right. something to wear. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that was Jamie's first um, treatment. It's, you know, the whole thing. Oh, got wrapped up and bruised. Yeah. And- so that was oh. our that yeah I told you about that but yeah. nobody was there yeah. because so that's it that's like, the closest we'll get to a, a bloody story yeah. in this podcast episode yes that's yeah. that's it I just remember you telling me about that oh like, my god that was and <laughs> anyway so I learned that um, you have to have switches that work and you can't have clutter around what you're doing um, so it was a disaster waiting to happen <laughs> and I and yeah it was mine so oh, but. 
I, I digress. Those shops, you know, interesting tales. That... You know, and I love I love working in cooperative shops. This is a very interesting situation for me because when I'm here working by myself, I'm very happy working by myself. Oh, I, man. Me too. I love it. I live in podcast land um, if I'm not having to think. And then if I'm having to think, then it's silent. But um, <laughs> I miss I miss the camaraderie. Um but even in a cooperative shop, and this is the way I was at school. If my earmuffs were on, it meant I'm working. Don't you know? Don't bother yeah, me. Yeah, don't and talk to me. I'm. I can be hyper focused for extra long periods of time, and um, so that's. I don't know. That's how I was in a cooperative shop. But I had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. You guys had fun cooperative shops. I was in a cooperative for 15 years, and it was. Uh, not very cooperative. Really? Yeah, oh it, it had it, it had its issues, but the, we yeah, were we actually huge, got along well. We were a huge crew. We were anywhere from eight to ten people. Oh, we my were gosh. in ten thousand square feet, but we were there eight to ten people. Ooh. But so I mean, wow. So my fiftieth birthday present to myself was I built my own shop. That's cool. I want to be on my own. I want yeah. to listen to my own music, and when yeah. I want quiet, I want quiet. Oh my God, that's okay. So. When I went back to Jonathan's shop, you remember all this. Yeah. Um, I was in there with um, Melissa moved in. And jo- Jonathan Wayne Scott is a Chicago to Asheville woodworker. Oh, I've 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 heard stories. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a hard time because it was uh, the Chatham, was, Chatham Road shop. I think yeah, he was it, moving yeah. out. He was like, "I'm having kids. I'm leaving. You can have the shop." you know, bring people in. And so Melissa came in and then... Melissa Angler. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then Haley Davidson. Davidson. Right. Um, and she moved from Hawaii. Yes. Yeah. And she met me when I was at the Shortcox shop. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it or, happened. I got to say this on the air, what we always would call it the... I call it the Stubby, stubby Penis, penis Shop. Stubby Penis yeah. Shop, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, and I think almost <laughs> every woodworker in Asheville has been at the Stubby Penis. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, okay, I gotta. How did it? You, you just can't short let cocks. short cocks. Oh, short okay. cocks. Okay, penis. Duh, duh. And to be on the same. This is just a bunch of poppycock right now. I learned that the other day. Poppycock. poppycock. That's very proper. Nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so things just happened then, and and before I knew it, there were three women in that shop, which wasn't planned. It just unfolded mm-hmm. that way, and. Um, what happened? Oh, Melissa. So, and Brian was in there. Yeah. Still Brian. there, but he. Brian Worst. Yeah. Brian, Brian Worst. Yeah. Okay. So whoever got there first would, um, get to have control of the music. Well, I would get there first and I would put in, I have this thing. I, I can do repetition. I can do the same CD a thousand times. That's how I learned the music. So I was listening to Richard Schindel or something. I don't know. Real, I loved his stuff and Brandy Carlisle. I was stuck on these two CDs. And one day Melissa comes in and we're probably on the 30th, you know, <laughs> listening, of, you know, and she's working and she's working. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, God damn it. Can we please turn this off? And change the music, and that's that's how it was in our cooperative shop. We we had a lot of fun. I think that was about the worst it got in terms of fighting. Oh, it's, right. Yeah. And you turned fun. it off. We we switched the music. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost the CD, and that's very sad. You lost the CD, or somebody took it. They probably did. I think it was Brian's anyway. So that was so after Haywood, you started working in other people's shops while still. 
keeping a real job and keeping a real, real job. job in the in the eating disorders world in the hospital industry no, or psychiatric yeah. industry yeah and uh and always you know working on the side you know and and it's it's been a very interesting um growth and transition process for me because when you have a job that's paying the bills and then you're working for yourself on the side and in the evenings i i thought i was charging enough you know and because that you're you got this money coming in that's paying the bills and so you're like oh i'm okay well now that i've transitioned fully to self-employment it's like oh my god i have not been charging i no, i didn't know how to no. price my stuff because none of us are charging enough, no really. <laughs> it's like i'm charged i'm pricing for how to live off of that money instead of um figuring out how to reinvest in the business you know i you got to be prepared for the taxes. How to take a gallery cut, how to, how to taxes, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how to so, put money away, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a huge learning curve. Like a, you know, And then convincing people that, that it's, worth, it's it. worth it. I have a theory <laughs> that you should have um, every client come in and, and do at least three hours of work in the shop on their project. That's a really good theory. I because so here come in and help us do some sanding. Yes, yeah, Debbie. Debbie did that once. I she wanted me to make her a piece of furniture. This was right after Haywood. I was at Blaine Johnston's. Um, Another Haywood graduate. Yeah, and we, Debbie is my that was my my partner at the oh, time. Okay, yeah, and so she wanted me to make a, a piece of furniture for her, and I was like, well, you need to come in and sand. And I remember, you know, it, it had curved legs, and so I was like, so here's how here's how you sand and. And she'd sand for like four minutes. Okay, I'm done. And I'd come over and I'm like, no, you're not even done with the first grit. What? Yeah. And this went on for hours. And uh, anyway, on the way home, she was like, I don't know how you do this. That's, I couldn't do this. It's too much work. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a good way for you to learn. I, yeah. yeah, so I'm like. I've had Carrie help me with some projects or she's helped me on yeah. stuff. And she's like. An hour later, she's like, I'm done. I'm going to go inside and do something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She'll push through if we need to, but yeah, yeah. She, she gets it like Debbie did. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, God, pricing your work is, I mean, that that's so loaded in so many ways because yeah. then you start to approach those issues of self-worth. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, am I really worth $4,000? And, you know, can I, can I really charge this? And then that becomes even a bigger issue when you're selling in galleries where they're taking, you know, a 50% cut. So you're going, it's like, I got to make it really, really fast. I got to make or, it really, really. Yeah. I mean, can, so. But I can't uh, make it fast because I care about what it looks like too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you end up underselling yourself. And then of course there's, you know, I call it the blink factor when I'm on commission work with clients. It was like, so how how high a price can I say before they blink? And yeah. I always, I always underestimate that. I was like, you know, they don't blink at four thousand. I should have said five. <laughs> yeah. So not the Malcolm Gladwell blink, but uh... no. <laughs> yeah. Now explain the Malcolm Gladwell blink. Yes. I, I can't remember what that book was. The tipping point and blink and blink is something about how we make choices. Mm -hmm. Like, and we make them in the blink of an eye, but we yeah. think that we're deliberate, and, and it's just really. Yeah, it's just right. And of course, this also, you know, gets into that morass of, you know, do we value artists in our society? And do we yes. value Do we value people that make things with their hands? I mean, you know, when the vast majority of the the items we deal with are made in a factory yeah. or they're made in a, you know, they're made in a foreign country by people that are being paid, yeah. you know, 
fractions of a penny and aren't valued at all. Yeah. So right. we automatically get compared to that a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've Can't all get away from it. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you been handed a picture from somebody that goes, "Well, I can get this at." Uh, at Ethan Allen or something for a thousand bucks. Can you make this for less? And I was like, no. well, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. And I get those yeah. questions. I know you've gotten them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and I think about this a lot. I remember. Um, I'm not sure which Furniture Society conference this was. If it was Savannah or, I don't think it was Philadelphia. Um, but the keynote speaker was talking about just that. That. You know, most objects, when you pick them up, you know, can you tell where they were made? You know, who made them? No, they're mostly disposable objects anymore. And that's another reason why those of us that make, make. Because that that object now has value and meaning that, that super, I mean, it's totally above and beyond the price that you pay for it. Right, that's, and that values you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's, you know, the, you know, Another one of my pet peeves in terms of, I mean, so many people are using like fancy woods and, and they think the fancy wood gives value to the object. I mean, yes, yeah. that piece of curly cherry is a beautiful piece of wood, but it's not the value in the object. I'm the value well, the, in the object. The value is the human touch in the yeah. object. Yeah. yeah. The fact yeah. that it came from your hands. Yeah. Yeah. I so. remember um, I, was, I was at Sunny Point working briefly. Mm -hmm. It was after just, you know, the landscape of my life changed drastically and I and I was living in West Asheville mm -hmm. and they were like hey if you want to work at Sunny Point and make some extra money I was like yeah so I'm, I'm working there one day and I I'm behind the counter and there's a conversation happening at a, one of the tables and it was a, a guy that was a, a metal worker and he was talking about um, his relationship to the pieces he's making it his relationship to the materials and how spiritual, like for him, it was this spiritual experience that he was having and all that energy was going into the piece and then those people ended up with a piece and I'm just like, oh yeah, that's exactly right. And then a couple of my coworkers were there and they're like, what a load of horse shit. And I'm like, oh, uh -uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's wow. like, okay, that's not everybody's, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, it. I mean, I think it's probably the, the vast majority of people don't see the value no. in making because no. they don't have such an intimate relationship with making. Yeah. I mean, they're... I mean, they're consuming. They're consuming, exactly. I yeah. mean, that's that's sort of what runs the society is consuming. And, <sighs> you know, and yeah. unfortunately, we somewhat rely on consuming because if nobody consumed our work... <laughs> yeah, it's true. We yeah, uh, we've got to sell it. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. But it, it, that's that's interesting that you know to hear that and to have two reactions like right there. Yeah. You know, it's I mean because it, yeah, they're okay, they're both valid reactions, but which one means the more to, more to you? Obviously, which one has the more meaning? Yeah, the yeah. most meaning, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Um, to me that spiritual connection is it's important. I mean, yeah. I don't go out in my shop and just blindly make stuff to just to make yeah. money. I I mean, when I when I wrap up a piece to send it away, you know, it's, I mean, and I can't help it. Almost every time, it's like it pulls on my heartstrings yeah. one way or the other. Whether it's just a little table or a big yeah. jewelry armoire or a dining table, you know, it's like yeah. I put my heart and soul into making that damn thing. Yeah, 
you know, yeah. and, and the relationship, you know, I've got a couple of clients that are repeat customers. Mm -hmm. I'm de I've developed these amazing relationships with yeah. people. And, yeah. and I just did a commission um, a couple months ago that I installed um, for a guy in Tennessee. You remember, I used to do some work for him mm -hmm. way back when, when we were in the short Cox Avenue yeah. shop. And so I, I did um, some carving on a bed that I did for him many years ago. Mm -hmm. And when I did this commission, we revisited that carving. Oh, and cool. I, I brought some elements of that um, kind of like stylized grass. It was just just simple, um, elegant. And, and when I delivered this piece to him this time, he said, you know, I don't think I ever told you, but um, he said, this has become our family crest and i was like really wow and he huh. said i never told you but my parents were wheat farmers and how did huh. that happen like he said that it just hit him one day that this stylized grass that was on this bed and now on this piece and it was part of another that part of his life he was going through transition and so when he asked me to make this bed i took his story mm -hmm. and tried to find a way to create something that told the story of where he was in yeah. his life. Wow. And he didn't tell me about that. But how neat that, yeah. you know, I mean, you developed this relationship obviously over pieces and over time. Yeah. And, and that means something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. It means a lot to me. What a wonderful thing to, to hear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in what you made that piece eight or 10 years ago yeah. or more. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was really interesting. I, when I, when I delivered this, um, last two pieces to him, uh, Jamie went with me, she mm -hmm. helped me install and he walked her around, um, to all the different rooms. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't remember making all this. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. He's been a good client. Yeah. He's, that's great. He's been very good. So it was down a walk down memory lane. It was really cool. So you were talking just a little bit about it, about this transition. Yeah. So, so elaborate. What, what is, what is the, this thing that's on your horizon? Well, you know, and you ask what did Haywood, um, Haywood community college do? Um, it took me in a completely different direction. And so one of the things that happened as a direct result was the dissolution of a, an 18 year relationship. I mean, it was, we just went in completely different directions. We're very close now, but, um, I can probably say that a huge percentage of, of what happened to me, um, in, in all the, the transformation that happened for me and and where my energies were going was a direct result of Haywood. I just was becoming a, a completely different person, you know, and with a different direction and, and goal in life. And, and so that was the, that was huge. It was an 18 year relationship that would have been a marriage had we been in different times, but it ended. And so for the first time in my life ever, cause I was, I was, I went basically from, you know, my parents' house to college briefly, and then, boom, I was in my very early 20s when that relationship started up. So it was, you know, I never really was by myself. It was a really scary time in my life. And, and to try to be a woodworker that's single and, you know, not, not partnered up with a sugar daddy or mama, you know, it's, 
And that was really scary a, for me. Male-dominated industry at that. Yeah, yeah I wasn't going to go there. Push but through yeah, there. no, but, oh, it, is, but it is. That's actually know? a purely legitimate place to go because as as two white middle-aged men yeah. in a profession that is dominated by white, you know, white middle-aged men, I, I think it's really relevant. And for me, it's really important to have diversity in this yeah. in this this oral history of our prof, of our profession mm-hmm. and of making yeah. to have women and non-conforming people as a part because they are an important part of this conversation. Yeah. It's not... Yeah. The whole fucking world's ruled by white middle-aged men. Yeah. Please, let's have they, something else. And they're yes. not the only ones that make yeah. things. So yeah. therefore, yeah. it shouldn't be all about yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. enough of the older white men. Please. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> yeah, and that, you know, I found, like, Wayne Rabb, I talked to him a lot about that. Like, he just... Um, he said that women oftentimes made better students. They were made better woodworkers and students because probably listen. We better. came in, we didn't have all this. Well, I already know how to do this. Yeah, I, um, I know how to use a table saw already. Right? You don't yeah. need to show me. Yeah. So um, he was—he's always been a cheerleader, and you know, just not part of that old white man mentality. And I don't really find it so much in the craft world. I mm-hmm. have in the. Um, in the woodworking industry, but in craft, I don't run into it quite as much. Yeah, I mean, because I, 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 th- I think in the craft world, and we'll, we'll use that three-letter word, the art world, you've got to open up your mind to the possibilities of something different than you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. more diversity in those worlds. Than yeah, I mean, because that's, yeah. where, I mean, that's where the good ideas lie, yeah. outside of what you know, where the cabinet shop world, and we could talk about that because... I mean, when I left Haywood, I served five years in a cabinet shop. Yeah. And I call it, I served five years in a cabinet shop. Uh, it, was, it was an education, but it wasn't pretty. It's, uh, I, you know, I had a good experience at, at Mark's. I, my second cabinet shop wasn't so pretty, but it's, you know, it's, it's pushed me. Well, and it sounds like you've grown from it, too, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's kind of like, um, you know, the fuck-ups when you're, when you're building and you fuck something up and, and you go in a new direction that is even better. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm choosing to look at this. That's cabinet yeah. shop number two. Yeah, cabinet yeah. shop number two kind of um, did a, a mental, it, it kind of messed me up a little bit mentally. You know, confidence being the, yeah. the, the big stickler for many, many years. Um, it's, it's pushed me in ways that I think I need to be pushed. Yeah. So it's not half a, you know, a bad thing. Although actually I, I just had a small remembrance because the, the very first cabin shop I ever worked in before I went to Haywood, before I, when I very first thought I wanted to woodwork, I apprenticed in a cabinet shop and the foreman four person of the cabinet shop was a woman, Vicki can't remember her last name, but Vicki was amazing. And I remember the most amazing act she ever committed was, is that we made this huge entry door. I mean, side lights the whole bit, you know, eight, nine feet long, eight, nine feet tall. Mm. And one of us, we had set it up in the middle of the shop and we thought we'd screwed it down. Boom. It just shatters into a million parts. And had that been a male that had been the shop foreman, every expletive under the sun would have happened. We would have, we would have got our asses reamed. Vicky just said, fuck Let's pick it up and put it back together. <laughs> and it was just the most amazing act of humility yeah. and of this is life. Fuck, 
Let's just pick it up and put it back together. Move forward. <laughs> yeah, and nobody's move forward. to blame. Nobody's, nobody's to blame. blame. You know, yeah. I mean, so yeah. sorry for the aside. No. I just thought no, no, that was no. important. No, not at that all. you know, and that was something that um, a couple of things that I really came away with from Mark's studio is when there were mistakes, he he wasn't sitting around going, Well, who did this? Who did this? You know, he just was like, okay, well, let's fix it and move forward. The second one was what I said earlier, you know, don't get stuck. Keep moving forward. You may make mistake, but, but you're, you're, you've got this forward momentum. I have a little problem with that sometimes because sometimes it's okay to stop and, and. Yeah, I, I think stopping is sometimes necessary. <laughs> well, I, I've learned, yeah. 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 Once I get tired, and and that's the other thing that's happening for me, and I think we touched on it before we got set up. My body is, like, I'm going through major changes right now that affects my stamina, my ability to, you know, I used to be able to be in here for hours and hours and hours on the end and never stop, and I just can't do it anymore. I can't see. can't see shit. <laughs> I, got the glasses. <laughs> I have, I, I'm and uh, and I've never really adjusted to them. I've had them now for four years, and I can't oh, stand man. them. But I can't see without them. Yeah, close up. So, um, so walnut and a pencil change. line. Forget it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like David Scott said he said I used to mark everything with a pencil. Now I do it with a sharpie because I can't see the damn lines. <laughs> 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 what was it? I what was that guy's name? The Red Oaks, the Redwood. Uh, James Cranov. Yes. He got to where he couldn't, you know, I, I've heard stories about how he couldn't. Couldn't even see. <laughs> see stuff in the end. And it, it's just, oh, it's just so sad. I don't want to get there, but that's where we're going. I'm there. I'm there, baby. Yeah. I can't lift hardly anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think of I think of my work, my, my pieces is, can I lift this thing up? Yes. And if I can't do it, yes. it's getting smaller. Exactly. I hey, listen. Soon you'll just be making little boxes. I'll be making. I'll be making little acorns. My very first professional woodworking um, job was a dollhouse, and it was when I was living at Kenil- in Kenilworth, and all I had was a jigsaw and a router, and so I made a jig that was square, and I would jigsaw the pieces of plywood apart, and then I'd square them off with the router, and I made. A really beautiful dollhouse, and I got I went way into the weeds with this dollhouse. It looked super, and sometimes I'm That's like, cool. you know what? I may have to switch over to dollhouse making. Yeah, um, I mean, so small and small little yeah. dollhouses. Yeah. So I mean, I was alluding to before we were talking about transitions. I mean, so how is that? You said you're going through a transition right now, and part of it is your your physical <sighs> abilities, and part of it is maybe visual what what turns you on right now in terms of it's being... a lot yeah it's it's even more than that like um I've, I've had to shut the news out like i'm oh well god i can't i i you know i turn i turn the news on in the morning like in my truck or something npr and i literally it, i i can time it at about 30 seconds mm-hmm. i'm like off done yep. cannot do this as soon as you hear the and, t word more than three or four times i usually well the t <laughs> word and the climate stuff this is this yeah. is really weighing heavily on me and and it honestly has something to do with you know what is happening for me right now it's like i I want to be a responsible person in this world and i i'm i'm freaking out about where we're going climate you know the climate stuff that's going on um and i'm like what am i doing you know i mean do i want to keep working with wood and stuff like that i mean we're closer to nature and the elements than a lot of 
Absolutely. The rest of Americans are. I know. I mean, we're 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 really close, from yeah. our from my perspective at least. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, I've I've definitely rethought my relationship to exotic woods. I don't really oh, like yeah. using them at all anymore yeah. personally because I of, never really. I have. mean, even though I don't won't have you know the two pieces of exotic wood I buy won't have any impact <laughs> on the world. It has an emotional impact on me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I can do it with something that's been sustainably harvested locally, yeah. why should I? Why exactly. should I get something that's been taken yeah. out of a jungle in South America or Africa? Yeah, fortunately, I've never really been asked to do a lot of stuff with exotics, but that's having somewhat of an impact on me lately. Yeah. I've, I've, I tend to get, um, I tend to be somebody that can be really prone to depression, as you, as you know, uh, yeah. sharing space with me and. Um, so I've had, I've had some time recently where I, I've gotten kind of frozen, um, from everything that's going on. I know it's not really what, what this podcast is about, but one thing that's happening for me is, um, no, I actually, I think it is exactly what this podcast is about because I think, I think where we're at is in an emotional space is everything to do with who we are as makers. Yeah. Yeah. It it is. The world around us. Yeah. Yeah. Makes us the makers we are. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I think it does what we do is even more precious and more important, you know, considering the news that keeps coming out about where we're going in our world. Have you been having yeah. this conversation? But, sorry, but, sorry. But we have. Um, I mean, it, it really does affect us all. Yeah, it does. And it, it does. But yes, the, the body thing, um, you know, it, it is, that's kind yeah. of, my body is um, given out. And, and one of the things, this is not a woodworking injury. This is um, something that ha- I, I just recently got diagnosed with melanoma. And it scared the shit out of me, um, and it was it was like I was like, oh my god, you know, because some people I've, I know people that have died from it, yeah. and so when the diagnosis first came, and I had had it for a while, the mole I'd had for a while, and and insisted finally on it being taken off. What happened for me was, oh shit, I'm wasting my time. I have always wanted to do art, and um, not just wood, but I've always wanted to paint and draw and. And so this kind of has lit a fire under my butt. I don't want to waste any more time. Um, we're, we're I love here. working in my shop, but there's other things I want to be yeah. doing. We're only here for so long. I know. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. It, it's, uh, do it as hard as we can. <laughs> yeah. But, but a blank. Yeah. Exactly. But a blank. But, so. you know, but to do what we do, with, you know, with passion. Yes. With, uh, with a sense of purpose. Yeah. Pour your heart and soul into it. Yeah. Well, Susan, thanks for pouring your heart and soul into all of this. Thank you. And thank you very much for being on Why Make. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot. We really appreciate it, Susan. I like what you guys are doing. I, I live off of podcasts, and now that we've <laughs> done this, I'll start listening to your podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. You'll be on it in a couple of months. I, yeah. I don't know if I can listen to this one. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Susan. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Why Make? Why Make? You can listen to Why Make on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also grab our RSS feed or a direct download from our website, y-make.com. This episode is currently brought to you by the Holy Pockets of Rob and Eric. Please help us build our creative funding base at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whymakepodcast. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at at whymakepod. This episode is recorded on Squadcast and edited by us on Audacity. Thanks for listening. <laughs>